missions night as kevin talked about we have a group from from uh they went to puerto rico and got back last weekend and so we're going to take some time to to share about our trip uh if you don't know jody and emily cronenberger coordinated and led the whole thing it was fantastic and so i'm gonna turn it over to one or both of you to come on up and and get our evening started all right so uh yeah, we are back. Um, thank you all so much for your prayers and for um, just your hearts being there with us, for your support. Um, we couldn't do this without you guys. Um, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to, I have a, a kind of a mixture of pictures from the evening and a few folks um, have kind of identified certain pictures they want to talk about. And I think I have all the pictures in one location. Andres, you want to switch over to, uh, to the uh, other slide? And so what I'd like to do is kind of have everybody that came or that went up to Puerto Rico, if y'all could come up and uh, be up here with us. And I also want Ted to come up because he might have not been there in the flesh, but spiritually he was very much interceding for us and we were rooting for each other. And, uh, and so, yeah, if y'all could uh, come on up and let's see, Andres, I think you got to go. Uh, for some reason, can you go to the one, the picture there's a, um, there's a picture of like the big group. It's kind of down. Yeah. It's the one of us standing uh, up a little. It's the one of us standing in there. Yeah, that, that one right there. You got it. Okay, cool. And if you start there and just go to the right. Okay. So this is, um, this is pretty much the group that went. There were, um, there were thir uh, 14 folks directly from Alamo Stone. And then the South Cities brought 13 extra people along. So we actually had like 27 people. Um, that were there, and this is most of the team. I think we got almost everybody in that picture, um, and it was an amazing time. The we came in on a Sunday, uh, excuse me, Saturday, and then Sunday we got to go to a church. Where was the church? Uh, Utuardo. Okay, I can't say that quite right, but something <laughs> like that. Um, but after the church service, we went into a little community, and you can see there's some apartment buildings behind us. And it was really neat. It was a sweet time. We just kind of went, walked around, talked to people, and basically went door to door and just um, asked people how they were doing and what, what it was like going through the hurricane and just really trying to get to know the community. The church that we were visiting had a VBS that following week. And so as we were talking to people, we would also invite them or their kids to go to the VBS. And then we would also um, just ask if we could pray with them or if they knew about the Lord or if they went to a church somewhere. And um, it was a really sweet time of just, just having some, some beautiful conversations. I wasn't sure how the local community would receive a whole bunch of strangers kind of coming through and just kind of not walk, literally walking up to their porch and started talking to people. But it was really amazing. They were so incredibly receptive. They were like just thrilled that we were there to talk to them. Um, does anybody have anything they want to share about on that Sunday? Anything that happened on the Sunday where, when we were walking around? So it was a really sweet time. I'd, I'd say the biggest thing that impacted me was just people's reception. Like we'd asked to pray with people and they were like, yes, please come. They didn't want us to pray outside. They were like, please come into our home. And they were like, open the door. And they'd like, just, just were so hungry to have people there and to talk to people and to pray with people. And it was, it was such a different environment than in the States. I don't know if you've ever gone and just talked to people about the Lord in the States, but people kind of tense up and they get really quiet and they don't necessarily want to talk. And, and they were so open. It was just 
polar opposites. And so that was one of the biggest things that hit me on, on Sunday. But can you go to the next one? Oh, Andres, you're supposed to be up here. Can somebody else run the, the slide so Andres can come and join us? All right. Come on, Andres. So I don't know if you guys can see this picture very well, but Miss Wanda, this, this Miss Wanda, she has ups, ladies and gentlemen. I was blown away. They had the, they had the, the skip rope going, and she like ran in from the side, and she started jumping and turning and spinning. I was like, holy moly, I had no clue that she could. It was, it was like, it just kept going and going, and all the kids were looking and like, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. So I, I was just thrilled. We had such a talented team in so many ways. <laughs> saw a spider yeah so it was just it was a lot of fun the kids were awesome you'll see a lot of pictures of kids playing we spent a lot of time playing with the kids so on monday through friday we worked with five through eight year olds and just the first part of the day was playtime. and so this is some pictures from playtime go to the next one just push the right arrow button um, uh, if you don't mind yeah there you go so this is the group um one of the things i want to mention is our team was actually, as we got closer to the date, the, the people from Puerto Rico said, oh, we would like some, can you guys lead the messages? We would like somebody that could actually lead the lessons for the whole group. And we're like, wow, okay, well, well let us talk to the group. So we mentioned it to the group and Pilar was amazing. She was like, yeah, I can help with that. And I don't know if you guys know, but Pilar is an incredible teacher. Like you get her in front of a, a room full of kids and it was just amazing. She did such a great job. So every day Pilar was pre preparing messages. Yeah, the main speaker staying up late at night, getting her notes ready and just, it was, it was phenomenal. But you can see here, all the kids just sitting there listening very attently um, to everything she was saying. And if anybody has something to chime in while I'm talking, y'all. Oh yeah, you can actually see, yeah, <laughs> their hands on their ears. Um, can you go to the next slide or the next picture? So another thing they asked us to do, they said, can you guys coordinate all the games for the kids? And we're like, wow, okay, main lesson, all the games. And so Emily, she was like, like just amazing. She was like, yeah, I can help. I can help do that. And so she sat, before we went, she, she did research and like printed out sheets of different games you can do with kids. And so she had her little folder ready to go with like all these games and it was just awesome. So, so Pilar was leading the messages, Emily was doing the games. If y'all can go to the next slide. Um, so this was one of the funnest games of the whole day. They, the kids had to put a cup of water on their head and run a distance and then try to get the water from their head into a little uh, pitcher that uh, Mr. West got to hold. <laughs> And we also had, yeah, we also had somebody else on the other side doing another one, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So go to the next one. Um, we did have a free, a free day, um, our free afternoon. So on, on Friday, we worked with the kids till lunchtime, then we ate a quick lunch, and then we hit the road and drove up into the rainforest. And the rainforests were just gorgeous, just green, beautiful uh, trees everywhere. If you go to the next slide, um, we had to hike about, 10 minutes to get to get to our destination and we don't have a lot of a lot of pictures but it was just like crystal clear water perfect temperature with rocks I don't know if you can see uh, in the background there's these rocks and there was rope swings and it was just like just like a, a slice of heaven I don't know it, quite how to describe it but it was amazing and we just got to 
obviously you can see Wes was getting some much deserved R&R after a very long uh, week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to get up. We were like, come on, Wes, we got to go. He's like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> go to the next one, you don't mind? Um, one of the things you might not notice at first when you look at this, we were driving through large populated areas, and if you notice something about this intersection, um, there's no traffic lights. They're all totally broken. And, and we were driving, and I pull into this intersection, and there's cars like going everywhere. I'm like, like looking at Wes, I'm like, you know, a year later, they still, all over the place, there's just damage, devastation all over the, the country um, from the hurricane. And so there's a lot of intersections just like this, where you see the, those lights were all just kind of knocked over and, and they're not working. And so it's quite common. Go to the next one, if you don't mind. Um, so we're walking along um, through, through the little town there and there's like phone lines, cables, everything just hanging down from, from you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think those are, are, are have power in them, but at the same time, I'm like, oh. So y'all can go ahead, next one. Um, on Saturday, we had a later flight, so we got to go to Old San Juan and walk through some market areas and enjoy uh, just some of the little stores. And it was really neat. There was a lot of local kind of arts and crafts people that, that were, um, this was a leather, a little leather shop that we got to visit the guy and he made some really cool little custom leather things and. Um, so we had a really sweet time just getting to walk around and talk to the locals. And even, even in the market, asking them, like, hey, what was it like going through the hurricane? We met one guy who um, is a, um, a type 2 diabetic, I guess, adult onset. He has to take insulin. And he said after the storm, there was, like, everything was shut down. There was no power. There was no water. There was no electricity. The hospitals were overwhelmed with, with people. They couldn't get medicine. And so this guy was like, you know, the only way we could survive was to share our needles with people. We only, he said, I would get insulin from the hospital and I'd have a couple days and I would give my supply to my friends that needed insulin because they couldn't get it. And so if you can imagine like everything that you have in your life that you kind of depend on to be there, if it was all just taken away in a, in a moment, like what would you do? And it was really neat because he was like, he was like, you know, people exaggerate going through hard times, he's like, we don't like, we don't even like to talk about it because it was so hard. You know, there's million, I can't, I don't know what the population of this, of, of uh, San Juan is, but you know, it's a very populated area. And if you can just imagine everything being taken, all the infrastructure, everything gone in, in just, you know, hours and the population pulled together, they, they literally like were depending on each other for everything. <laughs> Um, there were still, we were driving through the mountains and there's still places where as you're driving, you see cars pulling up and getting out with jugs and filling their water because they don't have running water at their houses. So they literally are still hand transporting water back to their, to their living areas a year, you know, about almost a year after the hurricane. So it was just really neat hearing those stories of the people just pulling together and just doing whatever they had to do to, to make it through. Um, beautiful kind of, I wish in our country we had that sense of like, hey, we love each other, we care for each other, we're gonna make this work. So I guess, in, in a, to make a long story short, I was amazed, like going through a hurricane is probably the worst thing that could ever happen, but yet the way it pulled their country together, the people together, and they, they just showed love for each other and kindness and caring and just their openness to, to the Lord was just mind blowing to me. So it was almost like these 
polar opposites. Here we are in America, we have everything, and yet we, you know, bicker and fight about this and that, and, and we don't know our neighbors, and, you know, just all this. It's, it's such a dichotomy. It's really weird, but um, your mama, you want to say something? Oh, no, that's just, that's just a lot of our kids. I have to say, um, the people who are on our team were so gracious to our children as they jumped on them, pulled them, pushed them, talked to them, scared them over and over and over. And so this is just sweet, you know, everywhere we went, it was like a big family. Everyone really looked out for our kids. And so I think it's a sweet picture of part of our team. Oh yeah, I can go to the next one. Ah, this was an interesting, uh, this was actually, God is good. So we were having some fun time in the surf. And I don't know if anybody can look at this picture and notice what is going on. This was kind of actually a testimony of, of technology. So y'all notice who's in the picture? Andres, do you notice anything different about him in that picture? Anything different about him? Before the trip, do you guys remember what Andres looked like? Glasses, yes. So we were having a wonderful time playing in the surf with the girls, everyone's having a ball. And it was actually pretty big waves, and a wave came and took his glasses away. And I don't know, Andres has pretty strong prescription. And so for Friday, and I guess it was Saturday, um, it was, he was amazing. He would, when we were driving along, he couldn't see. So what he would do is he'd take his phone and like hold it up right to his face, just like that. And he would look at it and then he could see what we were talking about. So that's us driving through town and he's trying to kind of figure out what, what's going on. Like, what's all the excitement about? Oh, and he started a class, um, economics, politics. And at night, he would be up in, in the dorm, and he'd pull his laptop up like this. And he would work for several hours every night working on his homework. And this was after a long day of, you know, running around chasing kids. So it was, my heart went out to him. Um, Jody, uh, even, uh, Jody even actually um, asked me while we were all playing in the, in the ocean. It's like, hey, do you want to take your glasses off? Like, you, you could lose them. And I'd be like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> it'll, it'll be all right, trust me. But sure enough, a couple of minutes later, <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's on me. <laughs> it's, but I, I, I wear glasses too, but when I go in the water, I normally take them off because I'm scared. But uh, anyway, you can go to the next, uh, next picture there. So this is the team after we landed back in Houston. Um, it was, we, we got into Houston and then we all had to get, get our luggage and then get a shuttle, and it was really funny. After a long trip, we walk out, we have our bags, and there's a shuttle sitting there, and it says the spot parking, which is the name of the parking place. So we're like, yeah. So we run to the shuttle, we all pile in, get our bags, and we sit down, and the guy says, oh, can I see your, your parking, the girl? Oh yeah, it was a girl. She goes, can I see your per parking ticket? So we hand her our, par her our parking ticket, and she looks at us, and she's like, y'all are in the wrong shuttle. <laughs> like, ah, really? So we all unloaded, <laughs> looked for the right, another shuttle that said the spot on it. <laughs> like, okay, fine. So um, can you go to the next one? And I think Wanda, goes, okay. So Wanda, this is one of your, this, is this one of the pictures you sent me? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I was taking some pictures and I saw uh, Gabby walk, I don't know if you can see all the way on the end, she's, walking with the water cup on her head. And, and then I saw <laughs> Mr. West. Because <laughs> well, his face is like. <laughs> you know? 
someone I guess had poured water right on him, so I thought it was cute. <laughs> and I'm gonna add to that. So Jocelyn is with the Salicetti team, uh, and, and so I had told Emily that when the competition was over, I was gonna dump my bucket on Jocelyn. And so when it's over, Jocelyn comes over and he goes, I guess we should just, uh, he just walked right into it. He goes, I guess we should just dump these over here. And I said, yeah, that's good. And so he walks over to the grass under the basket, and I have my bucket right behind him. <laughs> he dumps it, and I just went. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good sport. Yeah. you go to the next one? So anyway, uh, two years ago when I went to uh, Puerto Rico, uh, these girls remembered me, and one remembered my name, the one on the right of Valerie, and, and it was just so precious, and each time for lunch, they wanted me to sit with them and, you know, to talk to them and all, so that, that was precious. Oh, so this one's a little hard to see. I think, one did you, is this one of yours? So this is just an example of driving along and seeing buildings that like are just completely <laughs> like falling apart and uh, it's a lot of devastation. Go ahead to the next one. Oh, that. If that's all that we have, we can pull up the PowerPoint. You've got some more. Okay, cool. I think that might be the last one. All right. So real quick, is there kids? What? Is there something about the trip you'd like to, to share with, with everybody? The people that weren't there. If there was one thing you could tell them, what would y'all want to tell them? It was really fun that I got to spend time with the kids and uh, um, <coughs> share God's stuff with them. But one thing funny about the trip was a few times a Spanish person would come up to me. He was in my class and he would like, say something in Spanish, and I'll be like, what? Like, and they'll be like, oh, I don't know Spanish. I feel so bad for them. Anybody else? Any of you girls want to share something? Okay. Um, Andres, you got anything to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, um, um, it, was, it, was, it was really an awesome time. So like, I think one thing I got out of this trip was like, um, I remember me, Jody, and Wes were actually kind of having this conversation like at the end of the airport, but it was kind of, um, it was actually a little, um, just kind of difficult just seeing, driving by all this like destruction and like where all the houses toppled over from the hurricane, seeing all the damages were still there even after such a long time has passed from the, the hurricane. But um, I think something that is definitely just important to remember is that uh, um, I think it's in Ephesians 4, where Paul talks about just like um, us having specific roles as a church body. Um, like, so, you know, one who's meant to be a preacher, one who's meant to be a teacher is what, paraphrasing what he talked about. Um, but just this trip really definitely just made me learn of exactly, um, gave me more awareness of how we're meant to be as a church body, as a um, also, to give an example, in 2 Corinthians, how Paul also talks about just, you know, the church being this body, about one who's a hand, one who's ears. You know, one can't be an ear and strive to be a hand while, you know, while he's meant to be an ear. So that's just that's something that I definitely got out of, like, this entire time. Just, um, but it was definitely really awesome, like, playing with the kids. It was exhausting, though, but it was really rewarding. 
Um, and, um, you know, there was a couple times, of course, where I was like, oh, you know, my glasses, classes, but, you know, but at the end, like, it was still, I, if I knew all that would happen again, like, I would still go. I would still, and I can also think of very big things to you, Ted. Um, so, yeah, Ted was originally meant to actually go to the trip, but unfortunately, um, just some medical problems with your eyes, right? Um, yeah, um, unfortunately, he was able to go. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, but, I mean, graciously, Wes called me two days before we were supposed to leave um, the Thursday and uh, asked me if I would like to, if I'd like to go with all these guys and... Uh, um, and immediately I called off of work. I checked if I had any like real responsibilities I needed to take care of here, but everything cleared out. So I was like, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was really humbling, really honoring to just spend my time there. Hilary, you have something to share? Um, well, first of all, thank you all for your prayers and for sending us. And um, just thank you, uh, Jody and Emily, for um, organizing um, this beautiful um, mission trip. You guys did uh, an excellent job. And, um, you know, you just went beyond. I don't think, uh, even though the language was a barrier for some, I think that you, you know, just with your actions and your love and, and how much love your girls pour onto everybody, not just our team, but everybody. And, um, you know, and same thing with you guys, uh, with your team and just, just, the actions that spoke louder than, you know, our words. So thank you so much for organizing this trip. It was it was amazing. It was such a blessing for my family and for me personally, um, being able to um, speak in my first language. Um, so um, yeah, thank you. Thanks again for your prayers and for sending us over. Um, really appreciate it. And we miss you, Ted, very much. Okay, there are two really important things, and I, I've told Ted this, but Ted was central to our trip, even though he wasn't, I mean, central to our trip. I've, I've never seen anyone be quite so central to a trip and not be present, but he, um, besides his funding, being able to make it so Andres could come, which was a huge blessing. Andres was wonderful with the kids. He speaks Spanish. He was patient, very just really amazing to watch him interact with the other children, and really we needed him there to help with the, the little rambunctious boys. He was he was buddies to the boys, and and our own rambunctious children got <laughs> a hold of that. So, and then also I don't know if you guys know, but Ted spent I don't know how much time, but a lot of time um, pre-preparing the crafts, lots and lots of little sheep for the kids to do crafts. They were all pre-prepared and ready to go, and Ted did all the work for that as well. So he was a huge huge part of this trip. Can't un, uh, overestimate, however, say that. Um, but then also, I wish you guys could see, Pilar is, is sweet and wonderful and awesome. You should see her in Spanish. She's the boss. She's like, she's the boss. No, no, she's the boss. She is in control. Everyone respects her. She makes things happen. That camp would not have happened if it was not for her. She made everything worked smoothly in a way that really honestly couldn't have happened without her so i was just it was really sweet for me to see my own church family just be awesome it was, it was a blessing Amen. Yeah. so ted and wanda you all got something else can i just stand here yeah. um i i you know i i just want to share that um with this trip i 
I just assumed Ted was gonna go, you know, one of the strips, and he could do all the work. Well, not well, you know. <laughs> the teaching part, I wouldn't have to do it all that. And so the whole thing with this eye, and I said, oh Lord. And so when he told me he wasn't, gonna, you know, he won't be able to go, and I said, oh God. I said, I, you know, I don't like to get in front of people and do this, and you know, I was, I was in charge of track crafts, and so I said, Lord, okay. So I just surrendered it. I said, okay, Lord, he, he's not going to go. I, 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 you know, I have to do it. And so God uh, laid in my heart um, Isaiah 41.10. It says, um, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I would um, uh, help you. Surely I will hold you with my righteous right hand. So that verse kept on going through my mind as I was going through these struggles and other verses. And um and I think I was mentioning to Jay and uh, Wes and uh, 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 Jody <laughs> that I said, oh, you guys could do just a much a better job than me, you know. But, you know, I, I, I had to give that to the Lord again. I kept on fighting that and fighting that. And then I guess like the second day I felt a little bit better. So I, I'm just really uh, thankful for Ted. I do want to show the sheep. I brought one sheep. Can oh, I show it? Well, I don't want to take the mic. We didn't know how many kids were going to be, so we made 80 little sheep. If y'all could see that, so it's, it's, um, uh, uh, what do you call these? Yeah, but it's a senior ball. It's her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you can see the little eyes on it, and on the kids really like uh, doing the craft with that. Just thank you guys for all your prayers and. Appreciate it. I felt them. I'm too choked up to say anything. So uh, I, uh, I was just telling Wanda, uh, David said, like, those who go out to war, so are those who stay behind with the baggage. So I stayed behind. You folks were, were praying for the whole team. Thank you for what God is doing through this church. This, this church is, is, is having a powerful impact on other people's lives. We bless you, and we thank you for all that you did uh, to support the team. All right, so if y'all, um, I guess, kids, if y'all wanna sit down. Um, Wes, you wanna show, do your slides, and then yeah, we'll, okay, cool. And then when you're done, we'll, we'll have the cell settings because they're gonna share some of their things in the movie. Um, so I just put a couple of slides together. The picture in the top left is when we landed in Puerto Rico on Saturday. Um, and then, as Jody mentioned, Sunday we drove to a church. Uh, it was about an hour, a little over an hour, maybe drive through the mountainside. And, um, and that was, honestly, that was heartbreaking. Now, most of the homes look fine. But those that do not, they're, they're just a mess. And so we passed... Uh, a few homes that just they don't have a roof on them no one lives there the camera is not tilted sideways that house is about to fall into a creek that sits behind it um, the reason why I took a picture of of the trees is be, not just because the sign is down over there but it was really interesting to see just this lush green rainforest really with these tall trees that are if you can see they're just stripped bare and it's been a year you know and the leaves have not come back and so it was I, there were two things that were most, I think, uh, sort of discouraging. One was we saw a couple of homes that did not have a roof uh, on them. 
and spray painted in, in big letters on the walls. Casa de, and a last name, and a telephone number. And you're just left to wonder, like, where is that family and what happened to lead them to that point that they would have to spray paint, you know, the, the house. Um, and then, as Jody mentioned, we were driving through the mountainside on Friday, um, and, you know, the highway, the mountain comes right down next to the highway, and, and they had set up, like, maybe five or six pallets because there's a rock wall right there where, where they could catch rain coming off the mountainside. It rains every afternoon in the mountains, and so there were two ladies there with their empty milk jugs catching water as it was coming off uh, the mountainside. So uh, so Sunday, driving through and seeing, we had a great time at the worship service. It was fantastic. Jay interpreted the sermon. I don't know if he knew he was going to do that in advance or not, um, but Jay, you were fantastic, man. So I can't imagine the pressure of having to to translate a sermon you know, live in the moment, but Jay was awesome. It was on Psalm 23. Um, it, it was a great message. Um, can you go to the next slide? Andres, this thing's not working. Let's click her. It's in the PowerPoint. It's not on the Google anymore. Oh, there we go. So if you guys recall, the, the weekend that we left, they were projecting for Hurricane Barrel to uh, go by Puerto Rico on the south side, which is where we were on the south side that Monday. And they said... Uh, we think the winds will slow down to a tropical storm by Monday by the time it gets to Puerto Rico. Well, it's one thing to think it's going to slow down to a tropical storm when you're sitting in San Antonio and you're not going anywhere. But to be going there with a lot of little kids, it's another thing, right? And so thankfully, praise God, they were right. It was a tropical storm, and it just rained all day long on Monday. And that's probably the day we had the most kids, 25 or more kids. So indoors all day on Monday. And that was just, that picture was actually the next day of the soccer field uh, flooded, as you can see. If you can go to the next slide, Andres. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and so just some things that were mentioned. Uh, that's Wanda leading the crafts. Um, every afternoon, the kids were so excited because they, they had two outdoor uh, pools, you know, just small little pools. Um, and that was just like that's what they really look forward to and andreas was just a hit with the kids in the pool you can that's him being climbed on uh in the back of the pool um and i had to take a picture of the little guy in the red shirt <clears throat> because tuesday morning we you know we're running around in the multi-purpose room playing games and he comes over to me and y'all know i don't speak a whole lot of spanish but he's holding up one of his flip-flops and it's broken like the point pieces come come loose you know come out of the bottom and he says something to me in Spanish. I'm sure he's telling me that his flip-flop is broken and probably asked me if I could fix it. I, I don't know. But we're indoors, and so I told him as best as I could he didn't have to wear shoes, right? So I took the other shoe, but he insisted on wearing shoes. So by the end of the day, that Tuesday afternoon, he comes over to me, and he's holding both flip-flops up. And they're both broken. And so in whatever Spanish I can speak, I asked him, did he have another pair of shoes at home? And he said, no. And I thought, well, it's probably because I don't know Spanish. He probably thinks I'm just asking, does he have another pair of flip-flops at home? Well, that night, we drove about 25 minutes to a Walmart. And so while we were there, we picked up some uh, flip-flops for the kid. And, and they're like, you can't really seem too good, but they're really thick and kind of sturdy. And so the next morning, I see him, and he's, he's in the multi-purpose room running around. And he's wearing shoes, but he's wearing, like, pool shoes, water shoes. Like, they're the only other shoes the boy has. And so I called him over, 
and I gave him the shoes and he he holds them because I put them out to him and he says something to me in Spanish and he and he hands them back to me and I said no no para ti like no no they're for you and guys you would have thought it was Christmas morning and the boy just opened up an Xbox game set like he was so excited I mean he put them on immediately told me in Spanish that they fit perfect and he's like dancing around with his new sand like something just as simple as a pair of sandals from Walmart just made his his day so that was a really sweet uh, sweet moment Andres could you advance to the next slide for me? oh there we go so uh, that's all I had about the trip any last uh, I know we're gonna bring salad says up any last comments about the trip I do want to say what was already said. It was amazing to see the Alamo Stone family, like everyone just doing different things, whether it was teaching the large group, running games, teaching crafts, interpreting, just playing with the kids. Um, and actually my wife was really creative. She did uh, members of the, of the body of Christ using Mr. Potato Head toy as an illustration. So if you ever have to teach kids church, there's a good uh, tool for you there. Jay and Erica, why don't y'all come on up? I don't know if we have that video. Um, can we play that video? Well, um, uh, yeah, we get it ready. I think watch the video this is a kind of a, a summary of somebody who, who videotaped the whole trying to get the whole um, there's a song in my soul and I feel it's stirring in me this I know for sure that your love is like a flood and your mercy never ending I give my song There's a joy in my soul And it rises like a morning This I know for sure That your grace is enough And your promise never breaking I give my song to you some very gifted uh, photographers with us. We had two very gifted um, individuals on our team. And um, and so one of them was Denny Koo, Emily Yang. I don't know if you remember her from Summer Project San Antonio. We had a few years back. And her husband's just extremely gifted. So out of the whole trip, and I'm, then I'll pass it off to you, but I wanted to share just, um, you know, this was a healing trip for us. It um, We've been to Puerto Rico four times within the past year. Um, we went right before the hurricane and um, a few weeks after the hurricane. 
and again in March, and then again this time. And just seeing the progression of where it was and where it is today. And also just the joy in people and just um, no matter what has gone on or is going on in their lives, they are just so joyful. And that was, that was just a huge blessing for me. So we had, um, Jay, we had a group of, of 13 and we stayed at Airbnb uh, because the, the camp couldn't accommodate all 27 of us. So we stayed in the house and, um, and so it was crammed, but it was good. Every night we'd get home at like 10.30, we're exhausted. We got up at seven, get home at 10.30 and we would do devotional till 11. And Jay had shared just, you know, I know we prepared and planned our steps, but God, let God guide our steps, like every moment by moment. Amen. As we see relationships and people who are hurting, just like Wes and Jody were sharing, that just want to talk. And so we were prepared for that. We were prepared to talk to people and just let the Holy Spirit lead. I know that the pastor that we visited in Uthuado had shared that um, when we were there in March, he just says it gets really lonely because half of his, con like one third of his congregation is gone and, and he's there cleaning um, the church. Uh, it had like a foot of sand, I mean, throughout the church and outside the church. I mean, it was just devastated, um, the, the whole place. But again, where it's come. So he, he just said, hey, look, let's focus on building relationships and let the Holy Spirit lead in that. And so I didn't know really what was going on, uh, but every night after devotional, um, they would have tea time with Jospin. So like Jospin would drink, he's from Africa and he would drink this, this milk. I don't, it was weird milk. And so he would drink it and every, and so we're just like, what are you drinking? So we would, st everybody started kind of drinking it. And so people would stay up. Well, at the end of the trip, we got a letter, we got a few letters and I'm just bawling, but one of them was from Denny. He just said, you know, um, Again, because these are all uh, interns and bivocational. These are, you know, they have their careers going and they took time away from their jobs. They paid for their trip to come. Um, young, young professionals. And he said, you know, you said your focus was relationships. So every night after tea time, me and his wife would stay up and sit at the table and just sit and be. And if anybody wanted to talk. And I noticed that because everybody would congregate to the kitchen and just kind of chat for a long time, almost till like one in the morning. Then we get up at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning, do it all over again. But that, that he said, Jay, you know, just like Jesus, he had his, um, him and his disciples had him on schedule. He had a plan. And, you know, I'm sure the disciples were trying to keep him on course. But whenever tr kids would just come up to him, you know, he was like, no, 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 we, we're on schedule. We're on. But he says he stopped to make time and make relationships with these kids. And and he says, Eric J., that's what I saw. And so when he said that, I was like, oh, my goodness. It just, he said, so when I get back home to Houston, he says, I'm going to start focusing on that. And, um, and again, just over and over again, how, um, how the Lord just, the, this whole team, I and mean, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're hungry, we're uh, sleepy, we're, um, we, we did it. Uh, when we had the tropical storm out of, we had three leaks in the roof, and the only luggage that got soaked was my luggage. So I'm like blow drying for the next morning. But um, so we experienced a lot, but all through it all, we laughed and we had so much joy. And that was a blessing to me. Again, the whole trip was healing. So thank you. So, Amanda, it's just like every journey, you're getting glimpses of everybody's story and everybody's journey. And I, I think at times it doesn't do justice on 
the work and the emotions that go into it and the work that God is doing in people's lives. I'm really tired, so I know I'm, I'm fighting tiredness and emotions and all that stuff. But back in, um, in at least my journey, my journey and <clears throat> from then till now, and it ties Puerto Rico, and it's been a lot of empowerment by you guys. Um, in 2009, my grandma, my mom's mom, passed away. And so we had our family, and we had um, our, you know, our kids, and we had one, one living grandma in Puerto Rico. And we were like, man, we want them to not only neglect our heritage, the Puerto Rican heritage, but also get to um, be in touch with it, not only live it, but also put faces to faces and touch people like grandma. And so we made a commitment that we would go back every year. So ever since 2009, we've been going back every year. And it didn't take long um, to look, okay, what is God doing around Puerto Rico? What is God doing here? What can we tap into? What can we join what can we support um, in this journey? And so everybody in the island that we've talked to um, said, you got to check out Camp Caribe. They're, they're an interdenominational camp. And so what they do is they try to connect people from different denominations and try to create unity that way. The culture in Puerto Rico uh, is very divided uh, religiously. So the Baptists don't talk to the Pentecostals. Pentecostals don't talk to the Catholics. Catholics don't talk to... Uh, and the circle goes on and on. It's very, it's literally very divided. Uh, and it affects the way that you share your faith to the point where it's very separatist mentality. We're like, okay, well, that's the world and this is us. If the world wants to come to us, then we can, we'll share, but we're not going out to the world to share our faith. And so those are the kind of the trends of what ha what's happening in the culture there in Puerto Rico. And so um, we said, yeah, let's go, let's go to Camp Caribe. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, or something worthwhile and we talked to Wes, we talked to Jody, Kevin and a few others here at Alamo Stone back in I don't know when and we're like yeah let's go so we went and man that trip I ended up getting dehydrated the second day put me out like out like you don't want to know out but like out um, uh, for the rest of the trip and we're doing construction Ted was there uh, Wes and Pilar were there and so it was like, hey, let's try this idea. It's a great idea. Let's just try it out. So then Wes and Pilar ended up going downtown and serving with a soup kitchen. And then by the end of the week, I believe you guys were kind of tired as well. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, I know I was. I was out like second day. Stephanie was there. Where was Steph where's Stephanie? Oh, there. Were, yeah, you were there and uh, you were keeping us in line. Hey, hurry up, hurry up. And so... <laughs> Uh, drink your water and uh, the list can go on and on and on and smiling always works <clears throat> so there's this one particular time <clears throat> again you guys are getting glimpses of what God has been doing in our lives so it doesn't give it justice but <clears throat> I remember um, for, for the adventure day that we went out, that the end of the adventure day, we had two. One, we climbed the mountain, and the other one, we went out to the beach. And we were going through some struggles with, like, where we see ourselves with, with crew and with the organization that we, serve, that we volunteer with and whatnot. And so, Ted said some really important things to us, the meaningful things to us. 
He said, remember what he said? <laughs> the time is now. So he said the time is now. So that kind of put fuel to our fire. And we're like, hey, okay, let's go back. Let's go back. And then I think, did we go back after that? Yeah, we went back again. Um, a different group of people went back and um, we discovered the kids camp. And the kids camp, and that was really, really good. <clears throat> Lots of great stories from that trip as well. And so to close that loop, this trip, if many of you guys know me, I, um, you know, whether this is a struggle or this is high hospitality, I want people to be cared for. I want people to have a good experience and whatnot. And so um, it was really sweet to see everybody have a good time and a good trip, uh, especially the Flynn family. Um, seeing Pilar speaking in Spanish uh, was a, it's a boss, man. It's a whole nother level. It was uh, really, really sweet to see you um, lead the kids towards a spiritual direction. The games were amazing. The crafts were fun. I think the little lambs were, were a hit. <laughs> um, and there's everybody has a story. And I, I recall those glimpses, those times that everybody said, Man, this is, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I remember telling you guys, um, one of the reasons that I didn't go out to the, to the El Centro, downtown Ponce, was because I was somewhat intimidating, intimidated, and I didn't know how to witness and how to share Christ, even with the Puerto Rican audience, with the Puerto Rican people, which is, you know, mi gente, my people. And so to come back a few years later and being out in the community, serving, talking about God, um, tangibly expressing God's love. That was meaningful for me. Another meaningful thing was um, Wanda was really, even the first trip, you said that you were really good in crafts, and that's what you wanted to do. And I think they had a team already prepared, and not that you felt edged out, but you wanted to do more. And so this time, just kind of doing it all. Um, that was really meaningful uh, to me as well. And I think we have to recognize, at least I do, and I hope that you recognize too, that none of this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for Alamo Stone, for the community and the church. So thank you for ministering to me and being able to serve an audience uh, in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, last trip, we also met Michael uh, through the kids camp. Michael was leading the whole trip uh, he was a huh? two years ago. We met Michael. Michael, uh, the way that he led the trip was uh, the kids camp at the time was really, really profound to the point where at the end I was like, man, Michael, you're really sharp. Um, let's let's exchange numbers. And so we stayed connected for two years. And so being able to go back and help serve him. So again, what are people doing? How is God working in the island? How can we add energy to that? And so we went up to the mountains, the places that we were at. I didn't know this, but it was the, the projects. And so um, it was like, Jay, you guys being here, a lot of people don't come here because they're afraid. Or a lot of people neglect these kids because they're um, not the typical polished kids, but these kids aren't afraid of anything. And so if you reach these kids, just picture the impact that we can have in this community. And so we started dreaming and, um, about that. Another individual that we started, that, that we would also um, pr 
pray for a lot was my family. Remember grandma? Every time that we would go, you guys would go and take a picture with her and she remembers. I don't, there have a better idea of what we do. The concept of being a missionary is not very common in Puerto Rico. And so uh, to be, uh, it's, to be a pastor or to be a missionary, you've got to belong, in their perspective, you got to belong to a Catholic church. And so um, they would literally ask, why in the world would you come here to paint the house? You can do that in the States. Why in the world would you come here to pour concrete? And so we would keep going back, and I would call my uncle. And so, um, uh, hey, we want this is what we're doing. We're serving the camp. We're trying to find ways that we can be an expression of God's love in the island. And so they're like, hi. And he, they didn't quite get it. But this time around was a little bit different. Um, so we loaded up 47 bags of 60-pound concrete bags, uh, and we helped mix concrete in the backyard because um, when there was there, there in Maria, flood was the water was receding. I mean, going up and going into the house, and so he wanted to lift up the concrete and slide it out that way. And my grandma's 95, and my uncle, I don't know, probably 70, maybe around there, late 60s, 70s, and he was like, Jay's lonely. After the hurricane, the people across the street left. A lot of people from the street left, and it's lonely. We don't find help around here. And so um, to be able to go there and talk to him and be that expression um, was really meaningful. At the end, he said, Jay, the, what you guys did really touched my soul. And so the, the it, I don't know how it translated in Spanish, but it's, it's, relationships are built over a period of time. And it takes a long time to help people connect to what God is doing in their life. And so thank you for continuing to minister to me, minister to San Antonio, to, San, to Puerto Rico, uh, and even to our family. And so uh, I'll end with this. Um, so Denny and a few of Denny and a few other from the group, we thought we were going to build a retaining wall, right? There was a river, and that river rises. Uh, rose and it knocked that house over so they said hey if you build a fence let's build a fence a wall let's build a wall around the church and the other houses already have church, i mean have a wall so that way we can create another channel for the river and so we were ready we were ready to mess around with concrete and so we got there and they're like you know the guy who was going to help us is not here and you really need to know what you're doing to do this and you know we're we felt a little deflated. Our ego got hurt that we weren't able to lift things up and put them down and lift things up and put them down, kind of like that Planet Fitness commercial. And so, uh, so anyways, they had us uh, chop down vegetation. So they gave us a machete. Well, that's fun. We had three machetes um, cutting down vegetation. One guy fell into the river but jumped right back out. Um, and as he jumped out, a... a, a a rusted bar hit him in the head, and he was like, man, I don't have my tetanus shot. And so it didn't break skin or anything like that, but it was funny to see him get scared. <laughs> Sorry. And so then at the, at the end, then he goes, Jay, you know, I had high expectations of what God was going to use me here. Marco. Oh, Marco, Marco. He had, I had high expectations of what God was going to do in my life when I got on this trip. I really was looking forward to making a tangible difference, building this wall and having conversations and doing it. But yet... The pastor explained to us that the reason why they, he had us cut the vegetation in the back was because the vegetation was high and they couldn't go back there to dig, dig the trench to get the wall ready. 
And so he said, Jay, at times, what he got out of it, he said that um, at times, God calls us to prepare the way. And so, you know, we might not always throw the, the, the touchdown pass or operate at the 20-yard field goal red zone. But we got to remember that the game works and operates way back on the other side. And everybody's journey, God's at work in their life. And we can be, impact, we can be an impact we can be an impact in people's lives to move the ball forward that way. So, again, all these little glimpses and things that um, you ministered to me and things that I heard were, that were meaningful for me were those things. You want to share anything? Else? So, yeah, it was definitely awesome, wonderful experience. Thank you guys for helping to make it happen because, like they said, we, we couldn't do it without y'all's support and um, one little final comment, um, when we were sitting down after one of the days, we'd have a little debrief time with the, the local, um, they call them mentors, and then they, they also have, they call them dores, which are like the helpers. And man, these guys work. These guys work so hard. They would work with the Chiqui Campa from, uh, from five-year to eight-year-olds from eight till three. And then when we were done, we were totally exhausted and just like ready to, to just kind of go and veg somewhere. And, um, but then the, the local, the mentors and the daughters, there was another camp going on for nine through 12, 12 year olds or 13 year olds, I guess middle school. And um, they would go and help with the older kids camp. Um, in the older kids camp, they were staying the night there. And so they would be up until 11 or midnight taking care of the older kids. And it was just amazing seeing these locals just just pouring their lives out into the hearts of these young kids that were at the camp. And they made a comment to us. They, they came up and they were like, hey, I don't know if you guys know this, but the, the Chiqui Campa is the hardest for us to find volunteers for because the kids are really rambunctious. They're really hard to take care of. They, they just wear people out. And actually, it's really hard to find volunteers. And this year, we were really worried. We were actually, we didn't know if we were going to have enough volunteers to offer a Chiqui Campa. We, we, they actually were thinking about not doing it. And then when Alamo Stone said, hey, we want to come and we want to work with your Chiqui Campa and volunteer, they, they said it was like God was basically just making it possible. And so if, if we wouldn't have been there, there's a chance they might have canceled it just because the island, so many people have left the island. They're just struggling to find people to volunteer, especially for activities like this. So, so you guys were an answer to many people's prayers over there. Um, so thank you. I guess Wes... Yeah, got a few, few more things. Thanks, Jody. Um, I do want to share a quick story that my wife uh, forgot to share. So Jody showed, shared a picture of when we went to the river. It was a Friday afternoon. We left the camp and drove quite a ways to get to a river and go swimming. Um, and my sweet wife didn't want to tell anyone how much pain she was in. Her Both ankles were swollen, and her ankles and feet just hurt from the heat and being on her feet the whole week. And so... There was about a 20 minute uh, hike up the mountain to get to the spot in the river. And Plar made it about two minutes, I think, and said, honey, I, I can't make it. I'm gonna go back and I'll wait by the car. Um, but please don't tell anyone. I just want everyone to have a good time, you know. And so she turned around and went back and, you know, yeah, I look like I'm relaxing laying in the, in the river, but I'm really worried about my wife and, you know, she's sitting at the car waiting for us. And so we go back after, I don't know, hour and a half maybe um, and I'm like 
I can't wait to find my wife and make sure she's okay. And there was an older couple that actually owned that property. Um, and, and they have a little house there where we parked the car. And so I started walking towards the house to see, cause I couldn't find my wife anywhere. And so I start walking to the house and, and the, the wife comes out and I said, and they, they were bilingual. And, and I said, um, Hey, have you seen my wife? And she goes, shh, she's inside sleeping. I fed her and she's so tired. She's taking a nap in the hammock. And I walked in and she was in the back of the house. She was out, but it just speaks to just, um, that like the hospitality of the people there in Puerto Rico was just amazing. It really was. And I'm going to talk about Andres again. That Sunday afternoon that when we did the ministry in the apartment complex was Andres's first time doing evangelism in Spanish. And I was on the team that he led and he was fantastic. Just to, to see everyone using their gifts and talents to serve God, it absolutely matches our vision. Make disciples who glorify God by pursuing his unique calling on their lives. And the Salicetes have a calling on their lives. You notice they haven't really been around for a few months. And um, there's a great reason that's because God has called them to, uh, to do something different here in town. So I'm going to ask you all, I know uh, it's one after. We're going to run a little bit late. But would you all mind coming up and sharing because we want to hear what you're doing locally. And then we're going to pray over you and, and we'll eat dinner across the hallway. If you didn't bring food, don't worry. We want you to stay and eat with us, okay? So, to Erica. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this is really why I was emotional. When you think about a journey, there's a start, and sometimes there's an ending. Sometimes you don't see the road ahead. I remember sitting in our, in our living room in 2004, 2005, with a few individuals praying about how God can use individuals to make a difference in the lives of college students. Out of a birth, out of a birth, out of that birthed Alma Stone. Equipping those who choose him to live effectively for him, primarily targeting college students. From there, as families came in, recognize, man, you got to reach out to families too. And then the church started getting bigger and bigger. The community started getting bigger and bigger. And it was like, it's not just college students. It's not just family, but it's everybody. It's been 13 years later. And Alamo Stone is still going. And it really is a bittersweet Emotion. God's calling. God's calling in our life is that it's bittersweet. As I sit there and I'm thinking, as I sit there and I listen to all the little babies run around and the chaos, which I love, and then uh, the friendships that were built that have been built over the years, and the kids and the the friendship that the kids have, we ask them 
to this day, some of the best friends that they have are in this church. And so then, um, thinking about leaving or thinking about moving on, it's sad. And I would use that intentionally. Um, because at times it's not... Uh, yeah, when you think about people leaving, you think about either, okay, what happened? Or um, uh, who did it? You know, or something like that. And it's not, that's not the case at all, at all, at all, at all. Two years, two, three years ago, we made the transition to uh, trying to make an impact around the city uh, outside, of, um, outside of college students, outside of students. And we're trying to figure out, okay, what about the working class? What about individuals who have a different journey to know Christ? And we tried a lot of different things. Thank you, by the way, for the freedom and the empowerment that you guys gave us and the enabling to be able to try those different things. We tried a lot of things. We tried about five different things, which took three to six month cycles. And a lot of things failed. And the thing that rose to the top was relationships. How can people connect in relationships? How can people walk into a community, be themselves, and experience who God is with others? Comma. So that everybody can experience fulfillment in Christ with others. And so we're trying to figure that out. And individuals that have their own story, they're like, Jay, I'm all tatted up. When I go to church, I feel judged. Another one is, man, I have my own business. I can't go to church on Saturday. I can't go to church on Saturday. I can't go to church on Sunday. And the, the stories kind of continue. Others are like, well, I don't really have a faith in a particular religion. That's, I'm unaffiliated with a religion. I'm kind of pursuing God on my own. And being able to walk through people through their journey has been exciting and at the same time scary with the things that are said. But in my journey, it's like wrong belief. I don't think God holds wrong belief initially against people. And what I mean by that is having correct and 100% doctrine doesn't necessarily, God doesn't shun those individuals. And so it's a journey as I consider my own life and the things that I used to say when I was young in my faith and how I would talk to others. It's like, man, I've grown so much and I've gotten a lot of grace out of that. And so the concept that we're thinking about is how does a decentralized model of church look like? And could that be an effective way of planning churches across San Antonio? We found another church that's doing something similar like that, and they're in Disney World, actually. 70,000 people that operate out of Disney World, and so it's called Cast Member Church. And so they intentionally reach to the cast members at, uh, at Disney World through missional communities. And so the concept that we're wanting to try out, the concept that we have, the vision that we've already seen is communities birthed and started out of a desire to follow the example of Jesus and make a tangible difference in the sphere of influence. Some have been their neighbors. Others have been, 
using their skills and their talents, others their finances, and others is trying to figure out what can we do together like in spurts. We're a group of people. Let's make a difference here. Let's make a difference here. Let's make a difference here. A lot like Alma Stone wanting to make disciples who glorify God by pursuing God's unique calling in their lives. And so as I think about God's unique calling in our life, um, you know, my, as, again, I think in terms of business and theology. And so one sense, it would be a regret not to go down this road. But I would even, but my, my belief in God takes me a step farther and would be disobedient to not walk down this path. When the call is so high. And if I could be vulnerable with you guys, I feel really scared. I feel scared of failure. The pressure is high, you know, in the CrossFit community when, when the, the, the clock is starting to count 10, 9, 8, 7, 3, 2, 1, beep, and you got to go attack the weight and get to it. <clears throat> I feel like this is one zero, go. And we're going out, like Wes used to say, the plane isn't even built, but we're going to build it as we go. And so we're stepping out in faith that God will create something. And so that's why, again, um, the call in our lives is so strong that we know that saying yes to something else will be disobedient to what God is asking us to do. And that comes at a huge emotional and personal um, Fear, fear of failure, fear of the pressure that's going to be put on us of like the performance mentality that I struggle with and all these other things. And again, as the individuals that are depending on us to that are um, supporting and following, what what does that look like? And so anyway, so that's what we're Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so I, um, I think there is a lot of um, uh, emotions just because, you know, we, we love Alamo Stone and even our kids are like, so what does that mean? We can't come back anymore? I'm like, yes, it's just like, you know, when you move away, you still come back to visit. It's not like we're moving far um, unless the Lord totally pushes us further. But we're going to stay in San Antonio and, um, and I, you know, we're going to stay start this decentralized church model and try to and if the lord would lead to plant churches and so um yeah but i i'm a little nervous and um and i'm sad um because i did i did tell jay i said you know because it's so unknown i want a church family to just be right there with us because i'm scared and so i hope you guys are that Again, 13 years. We've been with y'all. In 13 years, we felt nothing but love, encouragement, empowerment, and enabling to do ministry to, for, to pursue God's calling in our life. I've said this before. Crew at UTSA would not have existed if it wasn't for Alamo Stone. The 12 movements that have started as a result 
of the ministry there would not have happened without Alma Stone. The partnership in East Asia would not have happened without Alma Stone. The partnership, I don't know if it is a partnership, I hope it is, but the things that we've been doing in Puerto Rico ahead would not have happened if it wasn't because of Alma Stone. And it continues and it goes on and on and on. I can tell you countless of things that Alamo Stone has done and made a difference, not only creating and sustaining movements, but changing people's lives. So it's with deep, sincere gratitude that I say thank you, that we say thank you for, led, for enabling us that way, being a part of your family. And we do hope that as we are sent out to plant to plant churches in a decentralized model that it would that we would continue to still experience that with y'all and just know that whatever continues to happen here is another thing that Alamo Stone continues to do. Bob Riley, Bob Riley often says, um, nobody's told Alamo Stone how small they are <laughs> because of the crazy things that, that, uh, that we've been able to do. Um, and it's not a comparison game or anything like that, but I think at times is just like, um, I can remember the story, Bible scholars, the individuals where they crossed and they, he said, pick up this rock and put it down and let those rocks be a trophy and be a reminder of what God has done. So take time and consider how this church family has made a difference in your life and has made a difference across San Antonio, made a difference across the world. And you'll be surprised and thankful to God the same way we are. Um, and will continue to be. So that's um, it. I don't know if there's uh, there's a raised hand over there. I don't know if there's questions or. <laughs> I was just curious um, if you can explain what you mean by decentralized model, like home churches. Absolutely, yes. There's different ways. Uh, there's different ways that people look at it. Uh, one is a missional community. Another one is a house church. Um, what happens with those is that whenever you think about house churches. Um, Every meaning has, every word has a meaning attached to it. And usually people think, bring in their own meaning into that. So when people think house churches, they're like, oh, okay, house churches, that's each individual is a house church. Um, what we're thinking about a decentralized model could be seen as a house church, could be seen as a missional uh, movement or a missional group or a missional community. Um, to specifically answer your question with regards to decentralized model, do you remember Napster and peer-to-peer uh, -peer sharing during all that? So um, that was taken off and uh, MGM wanted to sue uh, Napster because there was a lot of people in the music industry that weren't getting paid. And so then they found, oh, okay, Napster's here, they have a physical address, they're registered, they have all these other things, they have a CEO, let's go there and let's sue them, and Napster is no longer around. As a result, the lawyers for MGM were like, oh, sweet, we got, we got this taken care of. Music industry, you're all good. Artists, you're all good. But then what ended up happening was a whole bunch of peer-to-peer -peer networks started rising up. And then lawyers, to this day, they cannot find who those people are. So what's, what I say that as an example where it's like, when I think about Peer-to-peer, -peer, I think about individuals connecting to have a, let's say you know five people, or let's say three people, um, that you guys want to encourage each other to pursue God's unique purpose in your life. And you meet together 
to do that. And you try to figure out, okay, what is God's unique, I mean, what is God asking us to do? And let's do that. Through this journey, we've also found out that individuals want to be pastors. Other individuals don't want to be pastors, but they want to belong to a community. And so in, in the model that we're specifically thinking about is groups of people and network of individuals across the city creating environments where people can be themselves, step into those environments, be themselves, and experience who God is. In Titus, whenever uh, Paul is talking to Titus and is saying, the knowledge that I have te- that I have taught you, practice that, there it's saying it's not only knowledge, but it's also action. And at times, I think action inspires people to experience uh, God in a different way that they might not know how to. It's, uh, they, don't, they don't know the knowledge because the Bible is written for all, but it's in interpreted and understood by Christians because of the Holy Spirit. So, But if they get to see and experience Christ through the action that other people are doing, then they get to, oh, okay, yeah, I, I think I trust God a little bit more and whatnot. So as a result, what we've seen is social groups uh, birthed. So one group meets, and they're specifically a social group. But they're a social group for a purpose. And then there's another group that meets specifically to study the Bible. And another group kind of has different rhythms of like, hey, okay, we, we, we meet to uh, be a tangible benefit to our community, but we also meet behind the scenes uh, to pray. Does that make sense? It, a little bit? No, not really. Like I said, the, the wording is still, again, this is brand, not brand new, but the research that we've done, there hasn't been many models like this. Um, in the Christian world, I think that um, Francis Chan is doing something similar. Um, Soma is doing something similar. And then uh, Cast Member Church, which is, which is an EFCA church, is doing something similar. And so it looks a lot like crew, where you start a group, um, you, start, uh, you start Bible studies, and you have one general meeting and whatnot. But finding, finding individuals, I'll, I'll end it with this. In the early church, uh, before Constantine co- conquered and made the European Empire, the Roman Empire, sorry, not European, the Roman Empire, um, the churches were limited to the number of people, the, the size of the, of the house. And so, in a sense, groups, the churches were about 20 people or less. Um, <clears throat> not only that, but the people, the Christians that were meeting at churches, at homes, they didn't call themselves Christians. Do you know, do you guys remember how they were labeled Christians? They were labeled Christians by the people who didn't walk with Christ. They were like, okay, who are those people? They're having, um, they're having feasts behind the scenes where they give each other a kiss before they go into each other's house. Something weird is happening there. And when they come out, they're talking about like somebody's blood that they drank and they ate somebody. They're cannibals. And then how they engaged with the government was also different. So they weren't Judeans. They weren't Sadducees. They weren't Pharisees. And they were like, well, who are those people? They're followers of Christ. They're Christians. Little Christ. And so... It's funny how the non-Christian world labeled Christians just to understand them. And this has happened way back before the Roman Empire. And so I think, um, I think historically that might be a good glimpse of it. 
modern uh, secular as peer-to-peer networks, and then um, Christian in the Christian circles. Francis Chan is doing something with similar with We Are Church. Um, uh, house church movements are occurring, uh, and um, again, cast member church. There was um, it with 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 seventy percent. I'll end with, end with this stat here. Seventy percent of America, sixty to seventy percent of America, is still Christian. In a census by um, by the pew, they check the box. Yes, I'm a Christian. Now, if you drill down into that and figure out, okay, how many of these people are going to church? How many of these people are uh, read the Bible, believe the Bible is the Word of God, and all that stuff? That changes. That number has stayed the same for the past uh, four to eight years. That number has stayed the same. Christianity in the traditional way has not necessarily made a growth. It has stayed 70%. The stats show that. However, what's happening is the rise of the nuns, the individuals who are not affiliating with a particular religion, is growing. It used to be 10%. Now it's at 14 to 17%. So what's happening is there needs to be a new way of reaching people to connect people to know Christ. So here's the thing. Here's the way that I would explain it, uh, or at least that makes me feel better. Um, picture the public school system. The public school system is needed. The only reasons why we don't send our kids to public schools is because we travel so much that it's easy for us to take them with us and they can do school. To say that the public school system is not needed and the homeschool way is the only way to do it, could you imagine if that, the structure that holds 70% goes away? You would have a decline of something good and a, rise, a slow increase of something good. So I think the best approach is both and, where you keep the structure of individual of, of what's holding 70%, which, is, which we would say is a traditional church mindset, which has been highly, highly influenced by uh, Constantine in that era in the medieval times. And those traditions are still going on today. So that's a good structure. And then also a new, new way, new way of connecting people to Jesus Christ, new way to connecting people to others, and new ways to send people to be on purpose on mission. So I think that's the concept. I'll, I'll tell you what, in two years, I'll be able to, um, in two years, I'll be able to give you a concise thing. I'm thinking about doing my doctorate dissertation on this, but I'm not sure yet. So in two years, I think I'll be able to have like good data to be able to say, it failed, guys. Can we transfer our membership back? <laughs> but yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. If not, it was entertaining enough to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jay. If y'all can stay up here. Um... So I'd like for us to come up here and pray before we do that. A couple things. Um, man, I wish we had 45 minutes to talk about how great these guys have been. Talmud Stone is our friends. What are you saying about kids? Um, I mean, you know, our kids and their kids are just great friends. And, um, you know, those relationships will continue. Knock on wood. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so a couple things real quick. One, and this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I heard there's some kind of ladies' night going on. Yes, no, maybe so? Yeah. This Wednesday? This Wednesday at Freebirds? Yes. Across from North Star Mall. Across from North Star Mall, Freebirds, what time? 
Six thirty. All right. So if you're you consider yourself a, a lady, you consider, <laughs> you consider yourself a lady. <laughs> wait, 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 if you have wait, transportation, <laughs> go you go there. If you're not, if you don't consider yourself a lady, you want to go shoot some hoops. Come to my house. <laughs> um, I'll tell you where I live. We can shoot some hoops. Um, but a couple a couple other things. Um, James, come up here real quick. Tomorrow is James' birthday. He's gonna be eleven. By the way, y'all tell y'all tell Wanda happy birthday. She's turning thirty. She's turning thirty-seven today. Oh, thirty-six. Sorry. <laughs> Woo! You're not supposed to do that, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, competition, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it to the gym, man. So, so just so y'all know, when we came down Mill Stone, um, Jay and Erica were there helping build it, and this guy was in utero. <laughs> and they'd already been there for a while, so I just wanted to share uh, how much growth Almo Stone has gone through. It's been this much right here. <laughs> okay, you go sit down, buddy. Um, so yeah, I, I really wish I could spend 45 more minutes talking about them and, and just our friendship, how great they are, how Jay will come to my house sometimes before I go to work and we'll just grab coffee. Uh, he's just a great blessing in my life. Um, but, but as it's getting late, I think we're going to move on, but what I'd like to do is invite y'all back sometime if you wanted to, if people have more questions about what they're doing. And as you go along, Dr. Salcetti, about what you're figuring <laughs> out, if you want to come back here and, and just you know, meet up, you know, for an hour before church, anybody who wants to come hear more about what you're doing, I think, you know, we'd be glad to do that, if you'd be good with it. Um, but let's go ahead and pray for them. If y'all don't mind coming up here, I'd like to lay hands on them, and then we will immediately dismiss for dinner.